because God says, um, love your neighbor as yourself. By playing with them and by cuddling them. Basically helping everyone and just giving them opportunity to praise God and love Him and show everything that you can do to God. Hey, it's great to be here this morning. I'm glad you can hear me all the way at the back as well now. Uh, well, we've been going through this series called Love Thy Neighbor. We've had three weeks of this series. The first week we looked at what does it look like to love God, to love God with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul, all your strength. What does that look like? And what does it look like then from that place, that vertical relationship with God to love others? So we looked at the great commandment and then the great commission how we meant to love others and share the message of Jesus. And then last week we had the privilege of having Scott Pilgrim here, um, amazing speaker, and challenging us on, well, if we were to love our neighbors, we should do it modeling Jesus. Modeling Jesus was the message of last week. Today, I have to admit that as a church and as the global church, we indeed have a problem. Honestly, we have a problem. Today, we're going to be real, we're going to be raw, and we're honest. We have a problem. And often, when we face problems, it's hard for us to deal with them. So when you have the inevitable breakdown in relationship between you and your spouse and your marriage, right? Those things happen all the time. Between you and your kids, they happen all the time. Between you and a friend, Often we have relationship breakdown. We have problems because we are people. We're bound to have problems. So what are some of the strategies, helpful things we can do every day when we go through these problems? Well, I think it's important sometimes that we put a problem on a chair, right? Because often the problem can be between you and me, and we have a lot of baggage we take into that situation. We have a lot of hurt, a lot of things going on. And so today, I want to give the problem we have an extra chair. So what happens then is us, together as a group, can now look at the chair separately. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have a seat on this chair, right? And our problem over here is going to sit up let me just move that out of the way for us, all right? So that's our problem over there, and that's the chair. So now we can together look at the problem. And I have to admit, our problem as a church and as the global church is we really struggle to love one another. We do. Let's be honest. It's easy to say it. It's a whole nother thing to live it, right? So if this problem we have sits on its own chair, Loving one another. What does it look like, honestly, to love one another? We're going to give it a chair today because I don't want you guys to feel guilted into this because this is not words Pierre says. This is what Jesus tells us to do. He tells us to love one another. We're going to look at this passage. It says, a new command I give you, Jesus says in John 13, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Let's expand on that. Jesus says, I give you a new command. 
who is this person that can give us a new command? 613 commands in the Old Testament. And all of a sudden, this guy Jesus comes along and he says, there's only one greatest commandment. To love the Lord your God, all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself. And then he says, here's a new command. Well, I don't think this is, this is different to the other commands. I think this is an extension of what it looks like. The great commandment, this is an extension of what it looks like when we are to love one another. A new command, Jesus says, I give you, love one another as I have loved you. Wow. So how is Jesus loved? He went to the cross for us. He self-sacrificially died for us. That is how much he loves us. That is how he showed his love to us. And then for who is this command? Well, we see there in the following verse. By this, everyone will know that you're my disciples. So it's for his disciples, for all those that say they believe in Jesus. This is who this command is for. And for what purpose? That would be an example. The way we love one another, the way we actually walk life together would be an example to those that are not yet believers. People will look at our relationships with one another in this church as the bride of Christ. And through that, they would see, wow, that is amazing. I want to be a part of that. And then they'll see, wow, there's something attractive about Jesus, right? So when the problem is on a chair, we can actually look at it. We can analyze it. We can say, what is the problem here by taking our emotions? And I think some of you might be thinking, well, I do a pretty good job of loving others. Well, I think it's not about... You as a person, it's about us as a collective, as a church. Are we honestly loving God purely and are we loving each other purely? Because if we start doing that, it's going to have a radical effect in our town. It's going to have a radical effect all over the world if Christians actually genuinely start loving one another. So we're going to do a bit of a process called practical theology. It is a critical reflection on the actions of the church in light of the gospel. Right? Pretty simple. How do we put what the Bible says into action? If the gospel says this is how we should live, then we should put that into action. So today we're going to put loving one another into action and look at how we can do that. Well, I'm going back in my chair because I think this is very true for all of us. Some days it's really hard. Some days it is really hard to love one another. Sometimes it can feel impossible to love one another. I often say this, and I, I think I need to nip it in the butt and stop saying it. How much better would the church be without people? <laughs> so much easier for a pastor. That wouldn't be the church, would it? The church is the people of God. God created us, made us be in relationship with him. So a church without people is no church at all. God is in perfect unity, but he desires to be in unity with us, his people. I think it's so often we find church hurt because of this. We don't, we, don't, we don't get it right. We hurt each other. We are a diverse group of people with different personalities, different gifts, different likes, different desires, different musical choices, different backgrounds, different cultures, different families we come out of, we are very diverse. No wonder we struggle. 
Because this is a vulnerable question. We're just going to be raw and real. Who has actually been hurt by someone in the church? Be honest, be honest, because I think, I think all of us could put our hands up, right? If we're honest, all of us have faced hurt from others, other Christians. And why does it hurt so much? Well, they're supposed to be different, aren't they? They're supposed to be Jesus people. They're supposed to listen to God and, and love me the way that God loves them. I think sometimes, to be honest, it's easier to love people outside the church than in the church. Can anybody relate to that? I remember distinctly one of the conversations I had with one of my clients. Uh, He was a prison guard, and he told me that actually he got along way better with the prisoners than with any of the guards. He despised the guards. He didn't want to talk to them, didn't want anything to do with them, but he actually got on well with a lot of the prisoners. How strange is that? I think as Christians, we can often say that, oh, I don't really like those churchy people. Why do we make it so hard for others to love us, I guess? How do we deal with all of it? Well, I guess today we're going to get a bit more practical and actually look at what does the Bible actually say about this? So I think we've addressed like, well, what is going on? Loving one another is not happening, right? Not happening the way that God wants it to happen. Why is this going on? Well, that's our next question. We're going to delve into that together. See, Jesus' command that he gives us to love one another as he loves us, he shows us that he loved us unconditionally, self-sacrificially, servant-heartedly, he loved us. So at your tables, at your tables, just that following question there, Kaylee, I think we might have clicked out if we just go back to why do we struggle so much with loving one another? So you guys have a couple of minutes, just discuss at your table. Why do you guys think we struggle so much with it? Have a chat, have a chat. I'm interested to hear your feedback. For those online, please come and have conversations in your, in your living rooms where you are. Um, even put those things in the chat as well. Do you guys have any thoughts? Anyone brave enough to put their hand up to say something? What came out of your table? Why do we struggle so much? Okay. Stephen, yes? Yeah, so often we, hold, we can hold grudges against each other if we've made mistakes or done something wrong or committed a sin. We can often kind of hold someone to that for the rest of their life, mark them with that sin. Well, Jesus does not do that, so why do we do that? Anyone else? Any thoughts at your tables? Why do we struggle so much? selfishness. It's hard, eh? Our world teaches us to focus in on ourselves. <laughs> All of a sudden, we come into the church and we think we're going to lose that filter or lose those, those lenses we look through, those glasses we look through. Anything else you guys have found? Why do we struggle so much? Yeah, we stop to actually thank God for who He is and what we've got. <laughs> so true, hey? Yeah, we've lost the definition of love. Our world is a different definition. We hear that definition all the time, but we've lost that definition of what God actually shows us love is. Self-giving, unconditional, agape love that only God can give because God is love. Right? Any final ones there? 
Yeah, we have our own agendas. We, we all live our own lives and we're so focused on ourselves and we stop to listen. We, we, people talk to us in conversations, but we're so busy just thinking about the next thing we've got to do. We actually stop to listen and actually take time with the person in front of us. We've lost the ability to, to actually love people and care for people as Jesus shows us and instructs us to do. Okay, well, I have a follow-up question, and we're not going to discuss this one, but why would Jesus choose a strategy that humanly isn't possible? If this was Jesus' strategy for mission, that the church, that the people of God, these disciples, would love one another that much that they'd be example to the world and others would want to be followers of Jesus, why would Jesus choose a strategy that isn't humanly possible? It's kind of a bit mind-boggling. I've been thinking about it. Well, this is how I've made sense of this, right? We've got Jesus in the middle. Jesus is the center of the church. He is the God that created everything. He made everything. He is the center of the church. Jesus came as God, as a human into the world and actually showed us who God is with flesh on, lived the perfect life, died for us. Jesus is the center. Then Jesus went and he took 12 guys, 12 disciples, and he discipled them. They were apprentices to him. They were walking life with him. They journeyed with him and they became the starting blocks of the church, the people that Jesus had changed their life, right? As the Holy Spirit came on them, as they believed that Jesus is the Son of God, He died for them, He forgiven their sins, and the Holy Spirit came upon them, they became the church, the people of God, the family of God. Would the church be the church without Jesus? No. So these two need each other. Jesus is the center. And then Jesus built the church. And then what's the purpose of the church? The purpose of the church is to go out to the world and actually spread the gospel and show the love of Jesus. How else are the world going to know that Jesus loves them if we are not actually being the church that is loved firstly by Jesus and sent by Jesus to live out in this world? See, we have to get this right as a church. The mission is too important. There are so many people living out here, lost, broken, hurting, hopeless, in need of love. And we at the church can't even figure out how to do it. See, I don't think there's anything wrong with Jesus' strategy. There might be something wrong with the people, (laughs) not with Jesus. And the reason why I say the strategy might see humanly as possible is because it is. Jesus made this strategy because it is about him. We need him. We can't love like God loves because we need God in us, strengthening us, guiding us, helping us to do this. That's why Jesus is the center. And from that place, we can start loving one another. And from that loving one another, once we get that right, we can actually go into the world and start showing that love to others. As a dad, surely, as a father, oh, breaks my heart. How can I be someone that loves out there in the community, right? If I can't love my own family. That is true for us as a church. We can't want to be those that bring love and bring hope and bring joy in our community if we can't do that in this family. 
We need to love one another as Jesus loves us. Place Jesus in the center. The mission is too important. The world needs Jesus. This is what 1 John 4 says. I love it because everything we've been talking about is wrapped up in this passage. It says, Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son, Jesus, into the world that we might live through him. How can we live? Through Jesus. Oh, this is so good, isn't it? This is love. Here we have a definition. The scriptures give it to us. This is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. We did not deserve this love, but God, the creator of all, shows us his love by sending his one and only son even though we don't deserve to be saved from our sins and our rebellion against God. He loved us so much that Jesus took the sacrifice, the death that we deserved and died for it. Dear friends, it says, since God so loved us, this is our response. Since God so loved us, we ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God This is so cool. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and he's made his love complete in us. So our response should be when we understand the love of God, understand how much he truly loves us, undeservingly so, then we are propelled, we are compelled to love others. The one flows out into the other. No one has ever seen God. But if we love one another, if we get this right, God lives in us. And others will see that. They will want that. They'll desire that love, that community. It will be a result that gives glory to God. So it's true that this verse we're unpacking this morning, this command that Jesus gives us, is not possible by ourselves. But with God and the Spirit of God living in us, it is possible for us to live this out. So what's going on? We're struggling. We're struggling as a church. Why is this going on? Because of our own selfishness. What ought to be going on? Well, I think we've spoken about that. What should be going on? Well, we should love one another in this way as Jesus loves us. In the New Testament, love is more of a verb than a noun. It has more to do with acting than with feeling. The call to love is not as much as a call to a certain state of feeling as it is to a quality of of action. God demonstrates his love for us in Jesus. He lays his life down for us. 
It's not a feeling that we feel differently about that person one day to the next. What could and would happen if we genuinely started to love one another? That, that prison story, right? That prison guard. What would happen in the prison if the guards actually started loving one another, actually started banding together, caring for one another, walking the journey? It's a hard work, hard yards being in prison and working there every day. What would it look like if these guards actually started banding together, loving one another, caring for one another? I think the prisoners would be so much better off. It would change the whole facility. It would change the, the story of so many prisoners. Isn't that true? What if the church started loving one another? Because then you would experience that and everybody that you know in the community around you, everybody you rub shoulders with on a Monday through to Saturday, everybody would start experiencing, wow, there's something different about this person. They're telling me about these connections and people and they're doing life together and they're sharing their, their resources. They, they're doing the Acts 2 church and it's, it's attractive. And all of a sudden, people start seeing that, and they desire that. They want that too. This has actually been happening in this church. And it's so exciting to me to be able to share this story. So many young mums, they gather around. Young mums, young babies, they need support. They need love. They need community. And so what's happened is these young mums have come together, rallied behind each other. They started these messenger chats. They, they, they chat about life. They chat about the struggles. Men have had a hard day. And everyone can come around and encourage one another. They, they drop meals for each other. They, they, they run to the shops and get stuff people need. They, they're starting to practically do this, loving one another. And what is happening? People outside of our church are starting to see that. They're starting to jump into those groups because they need that too. We're starting to see people ask questions. What is this church thing all about? What is this Jesus all about? And we're hearing this happening in our community because people are actually genuinely loving one another, caring for one another, and walking this life journey together. We were at Cleveland on Wednesday and we made those 300 coffees. But the story you guys didn't hear this morning is actually that day, Cleveland was completely different. The fact that we went in and we were able to share a little cup of coffee joy to these workers, I heard from people that work there that all of a sudden that school functioned well that day. Actually, all the kids were able to connect into the programs. So often the kids can't go to the programs because they don't have enough workers. All of a sudden, all the workers showed up on the day. We were run off our feet making coffees. But actually, something tangible that this church has done, it's not because me and Andrew are going out and making coffees. No, the church is on mission, going into these places, sharing the hope and love of Jesus. Because you guys support us to do that, we were able to go in and make a significant difference, even if it's for one day. Amen. Praise God. This is the biggest issue in Townsville, the youth crime issue. And we were able to make a little dent in that. And I'm sure that God will continue to work and he's, he's got Christians in that environment, working there, living there, in those spaces. What if we can start having ripple effects where the love of Jesus was rippling out, pulsating because we return to our first love as a church? Loving God first. That's where we need to start, each of us. Loving God, allowing Jesus to actually change our lives, pulsating out, would cause a ripple effect where the church would start becoming on fire, revived, and that would change the reality of our world we live in. A broken, hurting world in need of Jesus. We have this message. The church has this message. And we are not actually delivering that message. 
There's nothing wrong with God's strategy, more so the issue with the workers enacting that strategy. This is what Paul says, and this is what I wrap up with. Paul says, Put on then, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against the other, forgive each other as the Lord has forgiven you, you must also forgive. This is what it looks like practically. Be compassionate, be kind, be humble, be patient, bear with one another, forgive one another. Jesus has forgiven you, surely. You can ask him to help us to give one another. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. I don't know if you're the same as me, but often when I put on different clothes for different activities, when I go play golf, I put on my golf shirt and uh, shorts and I tuck my shirt in because I'm playing golf, right? And then when I go out for a business dinner, I put on my business dress and that's just how I I, I dress up for that particular occasion. Um, Similarly, if I go to the Cowboys game, what do I do? I put on my Cowboys jersey because I'm a Cowboys supporter. Well, what would it look like for us to put on the clothes as it says here? to put on kindness, to put on humility, and finally, most importantly, to put on love. I don't know, this is a little bit of a funny one, but I just couldn't get it out of my head this week. We all have to wear undies, right? Well, what would it look like if the most important thing we put on this week is we put on love, we put on undies, Every morning when you get up, think about it. I am putting on love this morning. I want to be like Jesus to the people I interact with. I'm going to put on my undies like we all do every day. What would that look like? If we actually started thinking about the clothes we wear, the things we wear in our lives, the way we live our lives every day, what would that look like? It is a real challenge for us. I'm going to invite the team up. We're going to do one final song as we wrap up the service this morning. But I want you, while we wait for the team to come up, I want you to ask this question. How can you respond this week? Maybe chat to the people. What can you do differently this week? Let's put it into action. How can you live differently this week? You have one minute to discuss around your tables. Go for it. I do want to admit that I do love C.S. Lewis and his quotes because they really hit home. And this one I wanted to hit home. So here it is. Don't waste time bothering whether you love your neighbor. Act as if you did. Stop thinking about loving your neighbor. Actually do it. Just do it. All right? Let's sing. Let's worship. God is good indeed. Please stand with us. Amazing love that has welcomed me, the kindness of mercy.